You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Earth Station Who podcast. Hope everybody out there is doing fit wine and staying safe and just, you know, trying to make it through another day, as we like to say. You know, we're here to talk Doctor Who because, you know, Doctor Who is the great savior, the savior of hope and the person who brings a glow around the galaxy. Well, depends which doctor you talk to, at least, you know. It should be really interesting to talk about tonight's episode. We are going to be talking about the greatest show in the galaxy. It should be a lot of fun. The Seventh Doctor and Ace are off to the circus. And it's going to be a lot of fun unless you like clowns. Clowns, you know. If you have a scary feeling about clowns, I think you might have some issues with this episode. But before we do that, let's say hey to this week's station crew. This week, we actually have a guest sitting with us. Let's welcome Matthew. Hey, sir. Hello. How is everyone this evening? Good. How are you? It's been a little bit since you've been on the show. I'm doing just fine. Uh, Just like everybody else, you know, kind of more or less stuck at home, uh, just trying to stay healthy and stay in some kind of shape that's not too round. Oh, well. Round is the new, you know, <laughs> health, you know, exactly. We're so, we all slowly want to become like the people on Wally, you know, it's <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's just going there anyway, naturally. And just being quarantined. Ooh, food. Mm, what do I want to eat now? Oh, I Indeed. could, I could have second breakfast. I could have, you know, second lunch and, you know, dinner and oh, can't forget dessert. Definitely not rare, indeed. But it's good to have you, sir, back with us. It's a pleasure to be back. Thanks for having me. No problem. We have our regulars with us, of course, the lovely and talented Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It is fantastic to be here. And on, if you could only see this tonight, folks, her background, she has a dollar creeping up behind ah. her. I know, kind of scary. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. And he doesn't have a Dalek creeping up behind him. No, no, but a lot of clowns. <laughs> oh, very much so. I think we all have a lot of clowns in our lives these days, so it's okay. It'll be very interesting to talk about this episode, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys. Please write us at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. Definitely, you know, write us. We'd love to hear what you guys thought about this episode. 
And we do have a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's go jump in with both feet. Um, of course, we got some no new series news yet, but um, we do have some news, of course, about, you know, some stuff going on with Doctor Who. So, Matthew, you actually had some big finish news. Yes, uh, announced just in the last little while before we started recording, uh, the big finish end of Time Lord Victorious, which is the big multimedia event that's going to be going down across books, comics, and audio dramas later this year. Big Finish have announced their portion of that, and it's going to be three audio starring Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor. Oh, awesome. uh, they'll be yes, uh, they're going to be out in October. Uh, for anybody who wants to pre-order them, their titles are Mutually Assured Destruction, The Enemy of My Enemy, and He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. Nice. And we know from two of those covers that uh, he will be teaming up, apparently, with the Daleks. And we're also going to be seeing a story where the Eighth Doctor meets the Ood. Ood. Nice. That's Ood. Ood. Yes. It should be oodles of fun. Oh, that would be very interesting. <laughs> I see what you did. I, yeah, we see it really. So this doesn't tie in at all to the David Tennant and Tom Baker story that they're doing. No, not at all. That's part of a whole separate thing that's going to be coming out. Um, I think it's in July, beginning of July, something called Out of Time. So I think, I suspect with that, that that's just a separate part, probably with something they were already planning before this, but it looks like, like uh, Shadows of the Sun that was released as part of the Fourth Doctor range, it looks like it's something that may be a sort of a, another proof of concept for them doing the kind of online recordings they've been doing because of all the COVID stuff. Oh, gotcha. No, it totally makes sense. Uh, all of these look really fascinating, especially the tie-ins with the books and the comics and such. Yes. So so it's it's going to be interesting. It's sort of Doctor Who's equivalent of um, Shadow of the Empire, for those who are Star Wars fans will remember <laughs> that from the mid-90s. Um, I feel so old saying that. I, I know um, that they also announced, Matthew, that, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I know okay. they also uh, announced that they're changing the way they're releasing uh, the Doctor Who stories. Um, you know, I, can you tell us a little bit about that? I'd be happy to. Um, what There's been rumors for three or four years now that there, were, there was talk about uh, retiring what used to be called the main range, later became known as the monthly range. So that's the two-disc release that comes out every month featuring either the fifth, sixth, or seventh Doctors. And the eighth Doctor used to be in that range, but of course he kind of spun off from it back around 2011 the big announcement that was done there is that as of 2022 i think it'll be early 2022 there's going to be a retirement of the monthly range so instead of individual releases they're going to go to a box set format basically for each of the doctors so it's it's basically continuing the trend that started with the eighth doctor and we're, that we've now seen, of course, with the fourth Doctor, but also with the first and third Doctor adventures as well. And it looks like that's going to be crossing the board for everybody. So it's the end of the it's the end of the monthly range as we've known it. And I feel fine. <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew it. I knew it. it I couldn't. It, I couldn't resist. It does sound like because the, where there is one thing that you know about Big Finish in particular that when I look for stories, sometimes I'm confused as to. Uh, you know, where things, uh, where to start or, you know, whether things are part of series or whether they're not or, right. um, you know, what 
what dictates whether or not, because I, uh, even with the fourth doctor by himself, like I, I know that there's box sets and then there's like one-offs or some other things. And it just, it does seem a little confusing. Yeah, I think it's part of it is to kind of streamline things as I think, you know, Big Finish has produced so much stuff, especially since the 50th. They've produced so much stuff that I think it's they've become to realize that they're, you know, it's baffling to new customers, but also there's so much stuff being put out that it's also keeping long-term customers from being able to listen to everything. So I think it's, I think there had also been some talk a while back that they did a, that big survey four or five years ago, where they were sort of monitoring, sort of looking for the way people's opinions are and how people bought. So I think the idea is that basically you can pick a thread with a doctor and you can buy your way forward from there rather than trying to do a big cross range thing. Mm. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, you know, and each story obviously has to take place at some point in, you know, with the televised, what we saw with televised. And 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 so trying to fit that in where, where stories take place is always kind of a challenge as well. Right. It'd be really interesting to see how it comes about and what they do, you know, with what doctors and such. Have they announced which doctors are going to be switching over first? They haven't really announced anything. There were some tantalizing hints in the press release that there would be some stuff, some season 6B stuff with the second Doctor. So we might see what happened, you know, between the War Games and Spirit from Space. There's always been that big fan theory that there was all those adventures that Troughton's Doctor may or may not have had. So that looks like something they they hinted they're going to explore. They've also hinted that there may be some stuff with the third Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith. Because, of course, Sadie Miller has come in uh, in the Lost Stories range to play her mother's role True. Uh, in, in the Fourth Doctor audios that are coming up. So we don't know that for sure. That was sort of some st- cryptic hints that they dropped in that announcement. I think it was last week. So it'll be curious to see where it goes. Um, but definitely changes in the air. They seem to, you know, have gotten a, you know, if I dare say, they, it almost seems like they've be, they've gotten a little bump from uh, this uh, pandemic crisis that we're in, just because it seems like everybody's looking for new content. Uh, they're they're at home, they're doing things, and it seems like Big Finish is right there, ready for them. Yeah, and Big Finish is certainly, I I don't want to say they've taken advantage of it, but they've no, used no, it I didn't to, mean it that way. Yeah, they've used it to their advantage. They're behind <laughs> it. No, it's a plot. <laughs> I mean, they did go to a download first release thing. So they've been prioritizing that and also trying to keep their warehouse staff safe by not shipping out discs. And I know there's been some minor voices of miscontent on a couple of the Facebook groups and on the on Big Finish's Facebook page where people are upset about that. But Big Finish, I think, have, have certainly realized that there's an opportunity to introduce Doctor Who to, or Doctor Who on audio, I should say, to people who maybe haven't checked it out before. And particularly the way they've tied it in with the tweet-along stuff that's been going on. So after an adventure in space and time, uh, the tweet-along for that, for example, Big Finish put up the first Doctor adventure sets with David Bradley on sale, for example, like 30% off. So, you know, it's an opportunity to for people to delve into it in the side of the universe where people have went, well, I've never had time to listen to this. Well, people have time now, I suppose. You have nothing yeah. but yeah. time right now. <laughs> and, 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 and now that, uh, you know, you have uh, um, uh, them giving out a free, uh, something free every Monday, now we can yeah. tell what, what day of the week it is. Right. So that's nice. exactly it's like oh it must be monday because there's a free uh thing on the big finish yeah indeed exactly and the end of the world always comes on thursday so we all know that too so it's okay Uh, thursdays could never get the hang of thursdays bingo you always have to stick up your thumb (laughs) 
And carry a towel with you. Always need Dead a towel. But I, I'm very excited about, you know, four and 10 uh, uh, meeting up like that. That's amazing. That's, that's what big finish is for. <laughs> in my mind, you know, <laughs> to tell us stories that we dream of, you know, happening. So, yes. Nope. Totally understand that. All right, Mikey, our friends over at Hulanta had a very big event this last Saturday. Yeah, the reports of uh, Hulanta being dead or have been greatly exaggerated. Actually, uh, and this was sort of, uh, you know, sort of an idea that Alan had last minute. Like, why can't I put on some sort of virtual convention, so to speak? So uh, I think with only like a couple weeks, maybe, uh, notice, he put together one day, Saturday, uh, May 30th, uh, Hulanta Virtual TARDIS 2020. Uh, basically all day event uh, from 11 to nine, uh, all streaming. Uh, he uh, worked with, uh, I think, Zoom in most cases uh, and Facebook Live and uh, had interviews with uh, Colin Baker, had interview, a great interview with Sophie Aldred. Uh, so uh, that directly ties into the episode that we're about to review. Uh, great interview with uh, Rachel Talele, uh, director, and some panels uh, some music, uh, Moxie was, uh, performing as well. It just was a lot of fun. Um, I didn't catch all of it, but the good news is, is that for those people who missed it, uh, you can, all of it is still available. You can just go to Facebook and I think they're going to put it on YouTube as well. Uh, but it's all on Facebook still. If you just go to the Hulana page, you can pull up any one of the, the panels and just chill out and, and listen to those people talk about Dr. Who. No, it's pretty darn awesome. I sadly wasn't able to catch any of the panels, but from what everyone was saying and from the little clips I caught here and there, um, everyone was having a great time. And bravo to Alan for putting this together. And he had his crew from Hulanta. And, you know, all I have to say is, Matthew, ball's in your court, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. I know, right? It's, thanks, Mike. Um, <laughs> it is something. Yeah, what, it is something we're thinking about. Of course, we had to completely reschedule our con because our con should be this weekend. Uh, that's Con Cadabras. For those who don't know, uh, should have been this weekend. But of course, with travel, but with travel issues, but also not knowing where the state would things would be, we did have to. We did postpone it. It should be in October, but we may do. We may do an online event between now and then. That's awesome, and you know everyone's just wait and see you guys dragon con you know NY new york city comic con you know mm-hmm. any con probably within the next seven months eight months even through the end of the year it yeah. is you know pretty much wait and see and that's the sucky thing about it so you might be just doing virtual con you never know yeah so well We'll, we'll burn crossed. that bridge when we get to it. Fingers crossed. Yeah, right, right, absolutely. Exactly. And we're not putting you on the spot. Nope, <laughs> we'd never do that. So the other thing we want to talk about real quick is bravo to BBC uh, for putting out some Doctor Who extra materials, uh, little shorts and such. Um, we've talked about stuff that um, Russell T. Davies has done, Chris Chibnall has done, Stephen Moffat has done, a few other folks have done for doctor who and um our friend russell t davies actually came out with a new one and this one actually even brought back david Tennant as the 10th doctor in an audio animation 
Um, it is awesome. It's the secret of novice Haim, and it was awesome. I, I want to say allergies were really <laughs> up that day, and you know, something in your eye. It, my, my eye, it must have been some dust or something. But, was somebody cutting onions <laughs> in the kitchen? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have to. I'll blame Judy on that one because you know, <laughs> it it was awesome. It you know, it was wonderful. Um, cause it was a direct sequel to, you know, the 10th doctor era and it takes place, um, while the doctor was doing his farewell tour mm-hmm. and it was, it was really well done. And, you know, what did you guys think? Oh, it was quite it, it's amazing that, it, that you, yeah, it's amazing that you would say that. Cause I know a lot of people hate that tour scene. Oh, I do too. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I totally Better than the original that. tour. Yes. Yeah, because as we called it while we were reviewing it, these are the days of your life. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people hate that. I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, and this was a nice addition to it. Uh, yeah. The, you know, I, you know, it's an animated short. It's not like, you know, fully animated, but it's, 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 it's the design of it is, yeah, it, yeah, it is uh the design of it is nice the artwork is beautiful uh it's got murray gold music in addition to uh the original voices of tenant and uh i believe that's the original voice of right of the uh, character the sister yeah Yeah. the sister her her name's escaping me at the moment emily Uh, and a hope right uh, yeah i think so yeah uh and so that that you know it's just it's just beautiful so Sometimes yeah. they get it, they get it right, and man, they got it right. They did. Oh, yeah. they, when, they did. When RTD is yeah. on, I mean, he writes character really well, and he just he yes. just pulled you right in. And yeah, there's a little controversy though already with this. I don't know if you yes. guys have heard because they threw a little thing in about three generations. Yeah, and... there she has a line about uh, I've had hundreds of faces. Is it? you know, male, female, animal, and people are like, what? what? <laughs> exactly. Why does the doctor have to look humanoid? You know, yeah. is what they're saying. You know, in one of the regenerate, couple of the regenerations, it, the doctor could have been a furry, you know, something like. It uh, just, yeah, it, yeah, you go, Russell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, what I want is a penguin doctor having a reunion story with the <laughs> That's what that, I want. That would be awesome. So no, that would have been really cool. And, you know, I just, I thought it was perfect. It wasn't that long. It was about 10 minutes, I think. About 11 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was, if you haven't get a chance to see it, folks, it's all over. It's up on YouTube. Yeah. It's, you know, you definitely can't miss it. And, you know, the Doctor Who lockdown series they're doing is pretty darn awesome. I don't know if you guys also have seen, they did another one featuring all the Doctors. And the, it starts with the fourth doctor being uh, locked in his TARDIS. Oh, yeah. That's not an official thing. No, it isn't because it isn't even the real voices. No, right. except for Colin, right? No, none of them. Oh, yeah, none Colin, of them are. It's, oh, um, Colin it was uh, in that. But no, you're probably right. Yeah, I know Jacob Dudman's in there. Tim Trelor, who voices the third doctor now at Big Finish, was involved with it. I can't remember who else was involved with it, but it was sort of a... The first doctor was, is Bradley. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It, I think it went that one went on a little too long. Yes, it did. Yeah. 
I think a lot of people didn't get that that was supposed to be a comedy sketch because I did see a lot of people <laughs> sort of annoyed with it online. It's like, it's a comedy sketch, you know, give it a rest, people. Well, exactly. And, you know, taking the mannerisms of the doctor and just making fun of each one and everything. And I love how they have the picture of the second doctor with the Beatles. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, there's some fun stuff up there for Doctor Who. And yeah, yeah Jimno's got his work cut out for him because when we finally get new Who, it's like, look at all this stuff that we got <laughs> that wasn't really like, you know, official. And it was really great and it moved us. Now, now you do uh, that. Now you do that. Yeah, and you do yeah. that. <laughs> Talk about putting somebody on the spot. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Look at all these former showrunners that are coming back and doing stuff that's better than you've done. No, just kidding. Yeah, hell, even poor Paul Cornell even did something. Yeah. It was pretty yeah. awesome. And that was pretty, that was awesome. The sequel yeah. to Family mm-hmm. of Blood. Which came in for a lot of flack from a, from a certain section of the cor- of the fandom, but, you know, from, you know. You're going to get really? it. You're gonna get Fandom's going to give you I'm some. I'm shocked, Matthew. Yeah. Please. What? Crazy. You can't please everybody. I am totally shocked. Yeah, not at all. Exactly. What did you guys think at home? Did you guys like this stuff? You know, we want to definitely hear from you. Write us, Who at esonetwork.com. You know, definitely let us know what you guys are thinking. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a minute. And we are going to be going to the greatest show in the galaxy. We are Nerdlanta. We got these filters. I think they're called pea poppers. Can a podcast be a reboot? Oh god, I guess that's it. We play the promo. That was an awesome promo. Welcome back. Now we are going to the greatest show in the galaxy, running from December 14th, 1988 to January 4th, 1989. It was interesting. It was a four-parter, and I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting that they were in the period when they were doing like the two 45-minute episodes at that period. That's Collins, which is a few years before this. Yeah, I know. That, but <laughs> it's, I, that's, it always gets very fuzzy and everything mm. with it and everything. But it was... It was interesting because I love Sylvester and Sophie together. They are just awesome. But I liked a lot of the different characters in this one. It was very interesting to see. And I haven't seen this probably, this story probably in almost 30 years. So it's probably been been longer than that for me. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's just really interesting to see, and you know I'm going to be enjoying talking about this. Uh, basically, the doctor gets a visitor in the TARDIS, and you know they're doing I guess they get spam. Exactly, they get spam mail, junk mail, as Ace was calling it. Yes, little well, little did she know what was to come in real life. <laughs> And it was it was really interesting that you know they ended up in another quarry. It was awesome, and that and that kind of happened too in Kablam, 
or is that or that episode with the yeah no the, no she, she, they, no the in uh, Kablam they get a package delivered to the TARDIS yeah okay, it's not gotcha. junk mail gotcha yeah. gotcha gotcha but it's still okay. something materializing in the yeah TARDIS. yeah something yes, like yes, yeah yes. yeah this sort of like you know this supposedly impenetrable box you know that um, like things just like if, if it's not impenetrable things get in all the time yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right <laughs> well the Kerb- and, uh, yeah. like I don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, the Kerblam man from that looks a bit like the bus conductor from this too, for that matter. I happened to think of oh, that when I was Oh, that's very it. true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I thought about that. Right down there's to the hat and the there. button on the top. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Too bad Dullboy wasn't around for Kerblam. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the first time I've watched this one ever. So um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it, this, you know, as you guys know, it's not my favorite era uh so i didn't my expectations were low but um i enjoyed the hell out of this show like this was a i thought it was a fun story i liked the 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 character designs i liked the characters i liked the the story it didn't it didn't sort of uh drag uh for me which is great um i i would put it above kablam if we're comparing um no we're not trust us we're not <laughs> But uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, there's a couple things I could nitpick for sure. But um, this is one of the better uh, Seventh Doctor and Ace stories that I've seen. It's it is very fast moving. It doesn't drag at all, and which is nice. And you have that a lot with some of the stories in this era, especially coming from the Colin era, which dragged completely. Uh, Sylvester's stories. I think that's partly because of Andrew Cartmel. And, you know, his direction, he was trying to push the show and also his overseeing the writing and everything too, which is pretty nice. But this was almost a story that almost didn't get made. They did all the exterior shots for it. And then there was a strike, I think, or something like that. There was an asbestos in BBC Television Center. That's right. That's right. There was an asbestos and they had to close the center so they couldn't do the interior shots for this. So this almost went way of Shada. Yeah, John Nathan Turner and his memoirs, which are available in audio from Big Finish, talked about there that he literally got a phone call at the Doctor Who production office one day from BBC management, basically going, we're, you know, we've looked at the schedules, we're having to fit everybody in, we've decided your show's going to be cut. And apparently his response to it was, well, like blank you are. Um, (laughs) And he apparently fought tooth and claw because he was, at one point he thought this was going to be his last story. And he was determined not to go as it happened to his predecessor Graham Williams not to have a shot up so uh he pushed for it they actually filmed a lot of the tent stuff in a parking lot at the Elstree Film Studios which mm-hmm. by this point were owned by the BBC because that's where East Enders is filmed so they basically exactly. yeah let's do the show right here I think is the way uh John Nathan Turner puts it in the memoirs you can actually see scenes uh photographs and stuff of the crew because there was a fire at the studio in one of the other studios and they had to evacuate all the different sets and you see all the different people from the different shows interacting with each other. Yes. And it's pretty awesome. It might be something, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's a happy accident. Cause I think, you know, this, the way it's filmed and everything, um, it doesn't feel very studio ish. Uh, so I think that's why. And it, it actually uh, gives it a better feeling than some of the other stories around this era for me. No, yeah, they actually yeah, they actually built a tent in the parking lot for this. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, the tent actually works. Yeah. Within yeah. the story. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, in some stories it might not have worked, but for this one, it's like perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's like Spearhead from Space from the beginning of the Pertwee year, because that was another case where they couldn't get into the studio to do it. And they basically went, we're going to make this work here and we'll find the locations and we'll do it. And it works splendidly because of that. But I do think um, if it had been any other story from this season, it might not have worked. You know, you think about what this story might have looked like, you know, Happiness Patrol, which is just two stories before it. It's supposed to be a big, expansive story, and it's clearly a cramped studio somewhere, which as good as that story is in terms of the writing and the performances, it just looks like it's being shot on the cheap in a BBC studio. Exactly, and that's what made it, these characters they had in this were so rich. And, you know, everything from, you know, Captain Cook, Mags. Mags was awesome. I really liked Mags. And it was pretty awesome. Uh, you Rico Ross as the ringmaster. Because Rico Ross has been in so many different things. Um, he was even in Aliens. No, no, no. The rapping ringmaster. Rick, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'd forgotten yes. about that until I started watching it this afternoon. And I went, oh, yeah. Yeah, That's it's in right. the first five minutes. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, and now we have to say, come on! It is just, it was <laughs> like circus, and we have to say, say exactly. <laughs> it's just like, damn, and then, but then it was just, it was just interesting, you know. And then, what confused me at first is when the people teleported to the planet on the landing platform. First, the motorcycle, and then the kid on the bike. Yep. And it was just like, are they already part of the circus? Because it had this big psychic yeah. circus thing and it's like oh they must work with the circus but then you figure realize that's where the people the customers are coming in yeah they're the, the audience yep. exactly yep. well, well the audience they think, they think they're the they're audience the, exactly <laughs> audience or the performers yes exactly everybody wants to work for the circus so yeah so it must be obviously it's got a i yeah i didn't know if it was being broadcast uh, because it seems like it still has, you know, Uber fans and whatnot and people who still want to be part of it. Uh, or if it's just, just still existing and based on reputation. Reputation, it seemed like. Because the kid was like, oh, I got your posters for when you were here and here and here. And, you know, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. It and... does feel like a bit of a dig at sort of partic- at late 80s, particularly British Doctor Who fandom that was insisting throughout the McCoy era that the show's not as good as it used to be. And, you know, we could do a better job of it if we were just given the chance, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, you know, it's hard not to look at the Whiz Kid as kind of a representation of that. And he does get to go on and he does get to perform. And, yeah, we see how it ends. He gets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that's left are the glasses. Yes. <laughs> exactly it was it was interesting and you know i liked the motorbike that was pretty awesome yes and and i would have liked to have that but he was a total jerk yeah i'm not too sure about the guy's helmet thing the bat the bat helmet the bat thing (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know a little dig at batman there you know but it was i liked it it was it was interesting the clowns were creepy as hell and Especially when they first introduced them, you didn't know which ones were robots or which one were, was a real person, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was very effective, actually. Mm-hmm. And the chief clown, oh god, with the oh, hand, he was creepy with the hand well. motions and everything. Yeah, he yes. was perfect, yeah, uh, perfectly was designed, uh, perfectly acted. Like he, yeah, that that Harlequin esque 
clown is just like the creepiest clown, I think. Mm. Oh, and everywhere where he like turned the corner and you'd see that smile. And it was just like, oh, it was just, it was creepy. Yeah. Somebody who does not like clowns. It was, I think this is why this is a McCoy story. I don't revisit very often because (laughs) he he is creepy AF as the kids say. (laughs) Yeah. But it it took a few minutes to like try to realize what was going on, you know, when you had uh, what was it, Bellboy and Flower Child, Flower yeah. Child. Yeah. yeah, running from whatever where they're trying to escape or the surveillance. Well, they're kites. trying to just get away the, from the yeah. circus, and yeah. then the surveillance kites. It's like oh, remote control kites. Gee, they saw right into the future. We, yes. we just call we just call them drones now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they 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 didn't they didn't really show up later. Uh, I thought they might, but um, uh, yeah, I I you know what the way the story's played out too. Yes, it is confusing, and sometimes I get you know especially during this era I get worried that it's not going to pay off. Like it's just we're not going to know you know what's going on. But I do admit, I you know with this story, it seems like they do a really good job. With if you are patient, you will find out what's going on with everybody. Um, and, uh, it all kind of connects together in a way that, uh, is pretty satisfying. It was interesting. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but I always felt like the doctor always was in control in this one. He, no, I felt like he was Id- an idiot. Actually. I think this is one of the weakest ones as far as like, he doesn't feel like I, he knows I, anything. I don't feel like that at all, especially even down to when he went down to go into the ring itself and was doing his performance, he knew exactly. He knew that Ace, he was even looking at his watch, knowing to the Yeah, in the last act. But before that, he's just like, you know, like he's completely, uh, at least gives the appearance anyway. Uh, And that's, you never know about the doctor that way, right? Yeah. But but at least in the beginning, he just seems completely like ignorant about like who Captain Cook is and, and what he's all about what mags is all about um what the circus is all about like he doesn't like usually the doctor gets some i mean he does say that there's evil here but then he just sort of forgets about it almost it feels like and then there's some there's some things that happen that surprise him that i just felt like he should have known better like i just yeah i i didn't really find it as strong like the doctor's in control here i think he saves everything at the end sure but prior to that i i actually thought ace was Ace, Ace was, was awesome. Yes. Ace, Ace was awesome. <laughs> she was much more on top of it. No, I also felt like like the scene where uh, Captain Cook and the Doctor were in the cell, and the Doctor had observed, you know, everything what Captain Cook was about. Mm. He knew that, you know, he was a braggart. He knew that he was just trying to, you know, be out for himself. He would throw anyone under the bus who was in, the, you know. And that's, you know, even the thing, how he took the coin, the coins from Captain Cook, you know, after he saw that they were the double-sided coins, that he knew what they were and everything. So I think the doctor was a little more with it than you thought. Yeah. I, it's part of that kind of transition between the more comedic doctor of that first season where they were playing him for laughs to a large right. extent. Mm-hmm. And then you get into that last season they do, you know, you start getting particularly into Ghost Light and Fenric, where he's suddenly becoming the person who's in charge of everything and knows all the variables. So I think this is part of that transition 
towards that point because mm-hmm. there is a sense i think going into it from the beginning he sort of knows something's here but he doesn't know what and he sort of pieces it together by the point at the end where as mike says he's looking at his watch going okay ace any moment now any moment now mm-hmm. and, exactly. and he's not yeah i mean that last act is beautiful i mean he's confident he's going up against the gods of ragnarok and he's not concerned at all uh, he knows what they're about. He knows how to destroy them. He knows his friends are going to come through. He has everything planned. He's buying, you know, he's he's buying for time. Um, and I think it, the, that last act, he's really strong. Um, and but the, there was some stuff in the middle of that I was just like, I didn't really feel like, yeah, he should have been taken taken by surprise as much uh, for me. But um, but apart from that, I mean, it's still. And I like the fact that in that like you said, Matt, in that last, uh, that last act, you get the sense that he's, you know, all the stuff about the Sylvester era doctor, that he's much more than just a, a time Lord. Like there's like some mystical stuff about him that, that, you know, his ties with, uh, you know, Merlin and, 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 and other stuff like that is just like, it seems like it's, that's really there in that last act too. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of felt that way throughout because the way he kept saying he was sensing danger, that to me, but that's an interesting point, Matthew. That's, that's how it felt to me too, that this was really a transition episode between what he started out to be and what Andrew Cartmill ultimately wanted him to be. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. I felt like I was gagging when Ace and the doctor were eating that melon type. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. And it went on and on. Oh, it, it, was looked, just like, it looked disgusting. It was just like, oh. And it was like, well, madam, you know, and it's like, you hippie freaks, you know. And it was just like, <laughs> which was pretty darn awesome. I, I enjoyed a lot of that. And I just, it was just fun to see. And, you know, for an episode where it was filmed in a quarry, I thought the matting was <laughs> awesome. The scene where they were coming up to the tent and you saw like a Saturn type planet behind oh, that. Oh yeah, that with was the actually quite, quite beautiful. Yes. That was gorgeous. Yeah. That was really, especially for Doctor Who at that era, it was really gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. Yeah, they, they, they didn't try to like a lot of the, the you know the robots and everything I mean certainly the, the last one with the, the the big one anyway that appears in the beginning it's in foreshadows and then we see it at the end um I, I thought that one was pretty weak but the rest of them like and even the gods of Ragnarok themselves uh I don't like the fact that they were called the gods of Ragnarok but that's something else but um uh you know because there's no ties to Norse mythology here whatsoever but yeah yet, that just came they out just, of yeah they just kind of throw that term out there and I'm like uh, that's got a, that, that's a word that's got a lot of stuff invested in it. You might have right. selected something else, because but in any case, I thought they looked cool. Uh, they looked like they were stone creatures. I thought they were great. Oh, exactly. It was especially you know when they were sitting up there, you know the three of them. It was just like, oh, that looks good. They almost looked like they were carved in the same stone. Yeah, as they that temple. Do a good job with that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like the the McCoy era is sort of the show figuring out again how it can do things on a budget because I think partially through the Davison era but also getting especially during Collins era they sort of forgot that they were trying to make a show on a low budget and they kept overextending themselves in terms of what they could do to the point it looked you could see the joints and it didn't work things like the Merca for example in Warriors of the Deep 
But it was mm-hmm. like throughout the McCoy year, they're sort of relearning, okay, we, we know we don't have a huge budget. What can we do on the budget that we have that's going to be effective? And things like that shot that you mentioned or the fact that it's all set in the tent and they know that they can do the corridors and stuff well. You know, I think it's a representation of that. They figured they figured out again, this is how we can make Doctor Who on the budget that we have. No, totally makes sense. And they did it really well, especially finding out after what they had to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. With the studio. And it was it was it was really cool. Even down to the painting on the bus, it actually looked very authentic. Yeah. That, that you would see that on a hippie bus. Trust trust me, I grew up with that. I know what they look like. I know what they look like. I, I was like, is the Partridge family gonna show up sometime? Either that or bus? the Merry Merry Pranksters or something like yes. that. <laughs> that bus apparently was part of an of the BBC exhibits for the longest time until right before the show came back because they had to change where they were exhibiting at and they decided they didn't have anywhere to keep the bus anymore. So the bus got broke down and then they regretted it later because that bus would have been great for things like the Doctor Who experience. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And that's, it's pretty awesome. You know, I just, I'm very happy with watching it. It was entertaining the four episodes, like I said, flew by. And, you know, there's not much to complain about. You know, I think the worst part is, you know, when they decided to get rid of the ringmaster and the gypsy, it was just like, oh, just throw them in the basket. Poof, they were gone. They just disappear, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's simple but effective, though, because they could have gone for a big effect that might not have worked, and instead that's the way they did it. Well, they didn't even show any of the people being destroyed. You just heard the screaming and yeah. a flash of li- a light from off right, the screen. Right, or some smoke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's what, yeah. it's what you can't see because you let the audience fill it in for you. You know, you know, talking about what Big Finish does earlier. You know, that's what something that one of the great skills Big Finish has is you can give enough hints to the audience and the audience will fill in the gruesome bits for you. Well, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like a Hitchcock movie where it plays in your mind what's happening to them. Right. And, you know, if my life depended on three people who held up a sign that said zero, 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 God, <laughs> I don't know what I would do for a performance. <laughs> Shush, don't anyone say anything. I think no. we know if, uh, if, we, if we did a podcast, we would get zero, zero. We would not last long. <laughs> we would not we would not last like what is it what are we on now 200 and some episodes here? yes yeah <laughs> or they, they would do like they did poor nord and uh, was it part two where he does he does the whole weightlifting thing and they're impressed he's like now tell a joke and he's like uh <laughs> uh exactly and they don't give him a chance to think of one the poor bastard yep oh yeah. well he's just out of there exactly it's like okay you're done you're gone yeah. oh well uh, i mean there's an argument to be made that the gods of ragnarok are the tv audience in a very kind of meta sort of way because they're always demanding more they keep wanting to be pleased by it and even though there's an argument that the whole thing may be a metaphor for where the show is in the late 80s with mm-hmm. you know the ringmaster and stuff going we're doing the best we can with what we've got and the audience is going not good enough more exactly well that's still fan fandom today hello yeah, yeah. Sure. very true yeah yeah so all right let's um any final thoughts before we rate this one so Anything? so we should change our name instead of earth station who we should be the the pods of ragnarok <laughs> uh, 
Wow. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm, de- I'm, de- I'm definitely going to zero. And that was the last touty we heard. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Zero. Oh. There you go. Has there been any, uh, you know, like some of the characters here, particularly Mags uh, and, and the circus themselves? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, certainly it does leave it open to the fact that uh, the circus in some form uh, with Mags and uh, uh, Deadbeat uh, are, are going to go. Kingpin, Kingpin, come on. Sorry, Kingpin, rather, sorry. Uh, <laughs> are, and Kingpin are going to uh, carry on. I, I wonder, has that ever been followed up? Has there been a big finish or anything? There has been a big There has finish. been a big finish. There's been a yes. sequel. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's, there's a whole trilogy of stories with a, uh, with the Seventh Doctor and Ace later on in their timeline uh, meeting Mags again. So they mm-hmm. actually take her on their travels. I haven't heard any of those, so I can't speak to them, but I do know they exist. Was it played by Jessica Martin? Yes, she did come back to do it. And uh, fun fact, she was the voice of queen elizabeth ii in at the end of voyage of the damned when mm-hmm. the titanic comes crashing down and it picks up you know that voice thank you doctor that's jessica thank martin you. who actually does that voice <laughs> well she's a very well-known impressionist yes she is and everything in the uk and yeah. so and, and she's acted in a lot of different stuff. yes and going back to big finish for a second there's a prequel slash sequel depending on whose ver- depending on whose timeline you're going with here that was released in january which i also haven't heard funnily enough as part of the monthly range called appropriately the psych circus also written by stephen wyatt and featuring a lot of the cast returning as well pretty awesome yeah, cool cool um i noticed that uh when i looked it up on wikipedia and doing some other research that this is one of the few or at least one of the first that i've seen that has uh, the soundtrack available. Yes. Because, uh, you know, you yes. want those rap songs uh, to listen to. Uh, I got to order that, uh, pre-order that like now. Um, but, but look, I think one thing that's been consistent this year is that we haven't had much luck when it comes to Dr. Hugh and music. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> and, 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 but I was surprised to see that uh, this episode in particular has its own soundtrack. Is that unique as well? What it is is that a lot of the tapes weren't kept for a lot of the earlier soundtracks. So there's a lot of the Dudley Simpson stuff, like, you know, the iconic music from uh, City of Death, for example, is gone. They don't have the original tapes to do a recording off of that. Right. Uh, So, but Mark Ayers did keep his recording tapes from all of his recording sessions. So we do have the soundtracks to uh, this, Curse of Fendrick and Ghostlight that he did. Um, so it is. It was unusual because it was one of the first ones done. Because I think it was released in like '92. Um, there's been it's talk. Pretty, it's pretty awesome though. The number two song on this is the Psychic Rap. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> it's got all the raps. Like yeah, it's got all the raps here. And if memory serves, there's a suite of music about eight minutes long from this. That's on the the four CD 50th anniversary release they did as well. Sort of a compilation of 50 years of you who music and sound effects. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Okay, kids, let's go ahead and rate this. One out of five Tardises, one being the worst, five being the best. Matthew, you go first, buddy. Yes. I'm going to give it four. I think four Tardises out of five. There's a lot of the story that I quite like. You know, McCoy's great in it. Aldred is as well. Their chemistry has just been firmly established, and they're just firing off of each other. And even apart, they do some really good stuff. 
it's got a great cast of characters. I love the fact that uh, Captain Cook is kind of this darkened version of the Doctor. If you think about it, he's an intergalactic traveler. He's met all these people. He's been all these places. But he's just completely out for himself. He's not interested in saving anybody. Well, I took it that he didn't meet as many people as he He sounded more like a braggart mm. type thing. Yeah, it was hard to know how much yeah. was true. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, one of those, like, Tommy Flanagan things. Like, yeah, I met the uh, Morgan Morgan Fairchild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but possibly. It's hard to tell. Yeah, but um, it, that's what it, I came across at. But, yeah, four is a good number. Yeah. And it's it's head and shoulders above Stephen Wyatt's previous Who script. He had done Paradise Towers the previous season, if memory serves, which is not my favorite Seventh Doctor story by any means. So I'm happy that, you know, Andrew Cartmel brought him back in and they, they took another crack at it because they did some really good work here. I hate to tell you that's the only Seventh Doctor story we have not done yet. You so, may not yeah, want yeah, me on for that one. Is all I'm going <laughs> to say. I'm happy to come. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, to- I don't know. You you still probably uh, like it more than uh, than I have uh, on some of these ones. So uh, quite possibly. But. All right, Mary, go ahead. Let's see. I think I'm going to give it a three point seven five because I mean I found the story kind of messy in places. Um, and I, you know, it just wasn't as cohesive as perhaps it could have been. However, I love the characters. Um, I mean, sometimes Mag seemed a little bit too much like a plot device, and I wasn't thrilled about that. But I did love the character of Mags. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the gods of Ragnarok just really just come out of nowhere. There's just no lead up to that. And I, I wish there had been because I think that would have made it more interesting. But, you know, it held my interest throughout. It was very entertaining. They did a lot with very little. And in fact, I think it works in their favor, the spare sets. And um, and actually the makeup and the costuming are really good in this one. Um, and creepy. Oh my God, the clouds are creepy. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend people check this one out. I mean, and and I think Sylvester and Ace make a wonderful team. I, I love to watch them playing off each other. So, yeah, 3.75. That's awesome. All right, Mr. Mike. One of the uh, last, uh, uh, at least just, you know, currently, uh, as of current times, uh, one of the last uh, albums that featured all the four original members of KISS was called Psycho Circus. And, <laughs> uh, right. and I've got that, and I've had that song in my head now for the last like four days, because every time someone says psychic circus, I just want to like, yeah, rock out. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, but that aside, um, I really like this one. Uh, I don't know if I was just in the mood, uh, and I under- underestimated it and it just, you know, just, uh, uh, just gave me what I, what I needed, uh, because, because it was entertaining. It was fun. Uh, we haven't even talked about the doctor where like that, that, you know, the, the third act where he, or the fourth, yeah, the, the last act where he, uh, you know, does all the magic stuff. I mean, that's Sylvester just, you know, just, in, you just enjoy Sylvester it's, there. He's just it's so Sylvester fun. being Sylvester. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It really is like, like, I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I, I know uh, during the research, it said that he had to be like, you know, sort of trained. And I'm like, what? He didn't know that. Like, I just, I expect Sylvester just to have that stuff in his back pocket. Like, oh, I can do magic tricks. Um, he just seems like that kind of guy, but yeah, he um, walks down the street, have eggs coming out of his mouth and everything. Uh, <laughs> 
Ace is great. The rest of, you know, uh, I thought the direction of this one is great because it moves. Uh, the shots are great. Uh, the shot selections are great. The performances are great. I think, I think this is one of the better ones, uh, certainly uh, that I've seen for the Seventh Doctor era. And I, I wouldn't have a problem recommending this one. So I, I'm going to go with Matthew and give it a four as well. Awesome. Oof, this is where I get into trouble because <laughs> I love Sylvester and Sophie. They are just, they are two of my favorite teams on Doctor Who. I think so. Uh, Doctor and Ace are, is for me, is up there with Sarah Jane and the fourth Doctor. It's just the chemistry between them is just, it's just awesome. And I love it. And it's, like, I was thrilled that Ace was my first companion I ever got to meet of Doctor Who and got to interview for the podcast. And it was it was that special to me. And, you know, this was like the only thing that would have made it better is if Sarah Jane Smith was sitting right next to her. You know, that would have been just like, ah, you know. Um, but, you know, this story, it moved. I liked it but the clowns creeped me out so freaking much. Um, I'm going to give this a three and a half. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I felt it was a little weak, you know, the whole thing. Just the two, you saw the two people come to the circus other than the doctor and, you know, Captain Cook and such to come to, you know, you would expect if it's a psychic circus that is getting people from around the galaxy to come to their show it would have been more crowded or something or you know more people coming to sacrifice but you know it's only a half hour you know episodes so there's only so much they could do so i enjoyed it it was good um there were little things i wish they could have tweaked better including the gods of ragnarok um the explanation for them you know before the circus came were they just were they just stranded on this planet? What you know, there was no explanation about that. You kind of got hinted that you know they somehow took over the circus and they got stuck there, and you know they became you know evil or whatever they became. Um, so there was little lack of explanation on that, which would have been nice to have a little bit more. But I enjoyed it; it was good, and you know, loved seeing Sylvester and Sophie. So. On with the next episodes, as we like to say. Well, we only have one more to watch. And as Matthew said. One of the things that, uh, I'm sorry, one of the things that Mary said, I, I just thinking about too. And I'm surprised because the costumes are on this are great. Uh, from the clown yes. makeup and all that to uh, Bellboy. Uh, looks like he's uh, raiding um, Adam Ant's uh, wardrobe. Um, but I, I'm surprised that this one uh, isn't cosplayed more. Like I was like, maybe I just haven't recognized it because this is the first time I'm seeing it. But I'm surprised I don't see more cosplay from from this because the costumes are great. Well, you know, don't take this wrong. You might have seen him at Dragon Con, but you would think, you know, oh, the guy works at the hotel or something. So, <laughs> it, you know, I don't know about that. But it w- it would have been interesting to, you know, to see the clown would have been great. You know, I would. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for him now because, uh, yeah, I think that there's a, 
uh, you know, for cosplayers out there that are like banging their heads, like trying to think of a new or unique Doctor Who outfit, uh, this is ripe with them. Go for the clown. <laughs> Go for the clown. This, this is ripe with them. If I see a uh, God of Ragnarok in person, that would be pretty badass. That would be cool. Or you could see, you know, someone dressed as Mags. It'd be also pretty cool. Yes. Yes. That would Absolutely. Be cool. Or you even know. like, you know, Captain Cook. It's pretty simple, right? You'd think that, you know, some people would just be like, I don't know what to do. Oh, you just got a pith helmet? Okay, I can do with Captain Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then you have to think, is he Uncle Fraggle or something also? <laughs> so, you know, from Fraggle Rock. Or, so. just, a, or just a steampunk explorer cosplayer. Yeah, exactly. he, just looks, he looks more generic. Exactly. So it could be anything, you know, all you need is the hat. But speaking of that, we'd love to hear from you guys. What did you guys think of this episode? Please write us, EarthStationWho at ESOnetwork.com. So let's go wrap up the episode for this week. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us there. Well, thank you very much for having me again. Always a pleasure. Always great. And, you know, do you want to promote the con real quick? Yes, Con Castabras, uh, hopefully October 10th and 11th here in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we are still hoping that we'll have all of our pre-announced guests. So we'll have Catherine Tate joining us, as well as Eric Roberts and his wife, Eliza, who, of course, appeared in the TV movie, and also Kelly Yates, uh, the IDW Titan comic book artist. Excellent. Great set of guests. And, and man, also promote your uh, your blog and writings and stuff, because I've uh, enjoyed reading your stuff and your reviews as well. Yes. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Uh, so I am uh, Warp Factor, which is a site I contributed to from 2014 to 2017, did uh, have sort of a bit of a resurrection earlier this year. Uh, so you can find more of my stuff on uh, warpfactor.com. I think it's slash uh, Matthew dash Kressel. Um, I also have a book out. It's non-Doctor Who uh, looking at the 1990s NBC UFO alternate history conspiracy series, Dark Skies, uh, which is out oh, now nice. from Obverse Books. Very nice, sir. Very, very nice. And can you find that up on Amazon or where can they find it? Uh, you can get the ebook. If you're here in the States, you can get the ebook directly from Obverse. So obverse.co.uk. Um, it is not on Amazon, sadly, but if you'd like to order a physical copy, you can just uh, plug in Silver Archive Dark Skies into Lulu. Uh, one of the joys of having a small British publisher as your publisher. Nope. That's pretty awesome. That is really awesome. And of course, let's thank our regulars for being here, Miss Mary Ogle. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a really fun episode to talk about. It was always great. You want to promote your artwork real quick? Sure. You can find my artwork at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. The, uh, is the, uh, is the, the Dalek painting that we're looking at, is that, is that featured there? Cause I, people really need to check that out. It's pretty badass. <laughs> I, I think it is on, uh, on my website. Excellent. Excellent. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. As always, it's my pleasure. Okay, kids, we are done for the week. We will be back again in two weeks. Thank you guys for everyone for joining us. In two weeks, we will be looking at our 10 favorite Doctor Who stories of the past decade. so it should be a lot of fun to check out and to figure out because you'll probably be throwing tomatoes at us after (laughs) some of the (laughs) stories we're going to be picking so it should be a lot of fun until then my name is mike faber we will see you here next time on the earth station who podcast peace and stay safe and we're done boom You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. 
All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.